This is a 980 CKNW podcast. What did you get up to with that extra hour today, huh? Well, we're going to review what you might have done with that extra time tonight on the Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate everyone about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse in the field of sexual health, author of the book Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other, researcher, blogger, clinician, TEDx speaker, and your resource to help start that conversation, answer your questions, and help you discover new and exciting things about sex, love, relationships, your body, and your health. I make no innuendos, no judgments, and certainly no apologies, just fearless, straight-up sex talk. Let's hope for you it will be illuminating, educational, get you thinking outside of the box, and have a little fun while you're at it. So please stay with me. There is an aspect of sexual health that is dark and dreadful, and that is any sexual abuse, unwanted sexual advances, predatory behavior, sex without consent, pedophilia, and rape. Of course, for those who you, those of you who've been sexually abused, you are never far from my heart, and I wish you all the best on your healing journey. I keep you in my thoughts and prayers, as always. Please put the kitties to bed, grab your wine, your lover, and do join me. Nice to be here with you this evening. First and foremost, our heartfelt thoughts and prayers go out to the people of Sutherland Springs, just out of San Antonio, Texas, where 26 people have lost their lives, uh, the latest count that I have. Um, so sad. There's such a horrible tragedy that we're hearing far too often these days. And uh, the the sadness and the tragedy and the impact on the loved ones left behind cannot be overstated. Good evening, Amir. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for, uh, yeah, I'm here. This is our little inaugural show. Yeah, I know. I'm, right. I'm really excited. My heart's already racing, actually. Ooh, fantastic. <laughs> My heart's been racing for five and a half years on this show. <laughs> this is our little inaugural show. Here we go. You've already said you're going to share your sex life on the air. No, I'm all kidding. Of it. All of it. <laughs> not, not to worry. I haven't had to share mine, so don't you worry. We're all good here. <laughs> Uh, we've got lots to talk about on the show tonight, and uh, if you have any questions at all, you can give us a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. The lines are open, and uh, look forward to talking to you. There's lots of confusion around sex offender versus sex addiction. I'm going to clarify that for you tonight. Uh, also, what are some of those things in life that will predict divorce and uh, newsflash? infidelity is one of them. In fact, it's one of the most common reasons for divorce. But why is that? Why do people cheat? Well, maybe it has something to do with boredom in the bedroom. Uh, Leanne Walden is a sexual energy healer, and she joins me in studio tonight to discuss the need for sexual exploration in long-term relationships. But not to worry, people cheat at other times, too. And guess who else is cheating besides men? You probably have guessed it, yes. <laughs> um, we're going to be re- going to be reviewing a few of those stories tonight as well. And a little leftover from last week. Today was a bit of a cold day. You might have decided to uh, do a physical activity with your lover because exercise is fantastic. Much like, you know, you've heard the expression, a good dog is a tired dog. 
So hopefully you are a good and tired dog yourself. And so perhaps after some exercise, which I've advised you for the past five and a half years to do on a daily basis and high-intensity exercise, and you did it outside today, well, not it, but you know what I mean, and you perhaps decided to take a shower afterward, a hot shower. Well, that may not have been the wisest idea, and I'm going to tell you why. And, you know, we've all heard about the spot on women, but how do you find that spot on a man? Well, this is, could be a clinical issue, and uh, this nurse here is going to tell you all about that. But not before we review some research out of the University of Stanford, or Stanford University, sorry, about regular marijuana use and how that is linked to frequency of sex. So we also, um, you know, I did a TEDx talk, as if you're new to the show and you've never heard of me before, and which is probably many, many of you, um, I, you may not know that I did a TEDx talk called The No Sex Marriage, Masturbation, Cheating, Loneliness, and Shame. I was actually sitting next to a guy on a plane recently, and he said, uh, I, we were talking about that, and I said, oh, I did a, a TEDx talk. He was a married guy, and I said it was called The No Sex Marriage. He said, oh, I wouldn't have watched it. And I said, well, the subtitle was Masturbation, Cheating, Loneliness, and Shame. He said, I'd have watched it. Anyway, but a lot of people on that feed have made comments that I sound like a robot or Siri, which is why the notion of chat box sex educators caught my ear. Maybe that's what I have been all these years. Perhaps I am a chat box sex educator. A lot of people think that, and then they're shocked when I respond to them. And uh, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. But they didn't. They don't realize that there are people online just just, uh, watching what they're saying as well. Also going to be talking about how math and sex are intimately correlated for seniors. Not if you're smoking pot, however. Uh, Keep that in mind. But tonight, I feel, is also a good time to review all of the treatments for erectile dysfunction and including thyroid disorders because men may not think that that's tied to their member, their member's issues. But I had a patient in my office this week, and she had... Hashimoto's disease and she was not being treated and it resulted in overwhelming fatigue, dry hair, she had a lot of physical symptoms, kind of a puffy pale face, um, sexual health issues and so thyroid issues can lead to sexual function issues in men and in women. So I'm going to talk a little bit about thyroid disorders and men's sexual health along with some of the treatments for erectile dysfunction and of course Getting to the bottom of the problem is probably the first um, hint at how the treatment, how your treatment should go. I'm also going to be reading your emails, and I really appreciate all of your emails that you send me. And you can email me if you have any questions at all at sextalk at cknw.com. Just a little week in review. I typically don't look back, but I just felt this week I had to. Um, well, I was over at the legislature this week for a couple of days uh, talking to... The uh, Liberal Party, as well as the a number of the Liberal MLAs and a number of the NDP MLAs and MPs uh, around access to medication in this province. And so in particular, I'm interested in access for women's health. And many medications are not covered. In fact, there's a medication. It was on Global News tonight. There is a medication for cystic fibrosis that is not covered. And, and Global chronicled two young women who have cystic fibrosis, and one is in, at the University of Victoria, and the other was a, is a mom, a young mom. 
And there, uh, it's a $250,000 medication, this particular medication for CF. I'll get you the name shortly. And these women, are their, their extended benefits are not going to cover them any longer. And so this is $250,000 a year. This can set a family or a person back significantly. And so they would like the province, uh, Pharmacare, Medical Services Plan, to cover that. And Adrian Dix was on the news and, and quoted as saying they need to go through the common drug review. There's a process for getting drugs on the formulary here in British Columbia. And, and one part of that process is going through the common drug review and how he was outlining how they had to do that. But, you know, that's not a clear path to uh, getting a medication on the formulary because the medication that I was talking about for uterine fibroids is has had the common drug review, has gone through Health Canada approvals, has had all of the approvals required, and many of the medications that are not on the formulary, and there are about 44 of them that are covered in other provinces, have had all of their uh, regulatory approvals done, and they're still not being covered. And the Liberals said, oh, this was when we presented, it was actually over there with the Better Pharmacare Coalition, and um, we presented, uh, it, you know, information and statistics about the medications that aren't covered and, and the impact and how many women suffer from certain or men suffer from certain conditions or men and women and suffer from certain ones. 1.7 million women in this province will have uterine fibroids, and yet that medication is not covered. And so that, what that means is that they may get an unnecessary hysterectomy. So for Adrian Dix, the Minister of Health, to say that the, this uh, medication for CF needs to go through the common drug review before it can get on is, you know what, it's not, it's not going to happen. There's so much more to it than that. Um, and, you know, the NDP government had nothing to say when we presented all of the facts and data about all of the medications that are not covered. And you know what? Some people don't even care because it doesn't affect them. It's not until people realize that a particular medication for hormone therapy, for example, or for Crohn's disease or uh, some of the biologics and the biosimilars, um, you know, when... Uh, some of the biologics are not covered. And so some of the patients in this province are going to have to go from biologic treatment to biosimilar treatment, which can actually render the treatment ineffective. So you've got to start on a biosimilar initially, and that's okay. But so the province wants to do it kind of backwards. But anyway, a lot of people are going to suffer, or a lot of people do suffer when medications are not covered, medications that people need. A lot of people feel that they've contributed to society, and they have, because a lot of these... Um, illnesses strike people in their later years. And so they may have worked and contributed to this, to British Columbia's economy and society and only to be, you know, uh, left on their own when they are suffering from a particular medical condition. So that's what I have to say. But you know what? We need to collectively gather and express our voices and and say to the government, the NDP, who actually, Adrian Dix said, we will be covering these medications. He stood up there um, you know, saying he was going to, they were going to be covering them, but we need to look at the the social um, social aspects of these medications, of covering these me- medications and the social determinants. And, you know, sounded a little bit of a delay tactic to me. But nonetheless, uh, I will be over there. I was surprised that the Liberals said, this is a tough pill to swallow because I'd been over to um, the legislature and spoken to a number of MLAs about medications that have not been covered, medications for overactive bladder, for example, that have not been covered by uh, Pharmacare, um, you know, many, many times. So this is a reality. People need to know about it. I'll tell you about it. But first, we're going to go to break. And when 
I come back, we're going to talk about all things you know. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you on Daylight Savings, the end of Daylight Savings time, I guess. A little tired today. Uh, Not sure exactly why. Could it have been that dinner party for 20 on Friday? (laughs) Getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning to do all the dishes that I just threw into the sink. Uh, The two-hour bike ride today, perhaps. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the cross-training, you know, clean the downstairs, clean the upstairs, laundry in between. (laughs) Kitchen, whatever, food shopping. Um, I don't know. But anyway, I tend not to, uh, uh, to lose uh, energy. Um, and one thing I don't do, because <laughs> I actually think that I believe it actually zaps energy. And that is uh, smoking pot. Maybe you do out there. Maybe you're super chill. But I actually am a super chill person. I don't, don't sound like a super chill person, but I am. Uh, I have a lot of energy, but uh, you know what? I, I do not sweat the small stuff. I seriously don't. Um, and I just don't. Anyway, I'm just I'm just pretty easy going. But anyway, I'd be like on the floor if I did if I did this. But uh, but I was interested in this because regular marijuana use is linked to more sex. How good is I mean, here I've had this show for five and a half years trying to give people all this information. Try this, that and the other thing. But all along, you could have just (laughs) toked on a bone. Oh, I've been telling you to do that anyway. (laughs) We're going to get to that a little later with the shower sex, the dangerous, the dangers of shower sex. But anyway, there is a study out of Stanford University. It's the first study of its kind to examine the relationship between marijuana use and frequency of sexual intercourse at the population level in the U.S. And it shows a positive correlation between the two. So sex, drugs and the drugs, the marijuana will lead to the rock and roll. Uh, But link between sex and at least that it's that just that one drug basically is the marijuana. And we have, uh, we're in this country, we are looking at legalization of it. It's right around the corner. Um, anyway, uh, that will be interesting, but if they, if the people are not productive in their lives, perhaps because a lot of people who smoke pot are like super duper chill, they don't even get off the couch. Um, but at least they will, you know, might be doing something on the couch now. So that will be better, I suppose. (laughs) But, um, a, a study at the, um, as I said, at Stanford University School of Medicine indicated that despite concerns among physicians and scientists, frequent marijuana use may impair sexual desire performance. The opposite appears more likely to be the case. So this study was published October 27th in the Journal of Sexual Medicine, and it's based on an analysis of more than 50,000 Americans aged 25 to 45 and the the two uh, study results are, um, you know, are a bit opposite. What what has been thought in the past, um, it's been thought amongst medical people, myself included, <laughs> that marijuana use impairs sexual desire or performs. I don't know about performance, but perhaps desire. But that there has been an impact. There's definitely there can be impact on the relationship, and that's just an entirely different study. Uh, it doesn't seem to impair sexual motivation or performance, according to Stanford's study. And the study's senior author, Michael Eisenberg, he's an assistant professor of urology, and he was very interested in doing this because this 
study of this kind had never been done before. It doesn't establish a causal connection between marijuana use and sexual activity, but the results hint at this. The overall trend that they saw applied to people of both sexes, all races, all ages, all education levels, all income groups and religions, every health status, and whether they were married or single or whether or not they had children. So this is amazing, really. It's the first study to examine the relationship between marijuana use and frequency of sexual intercourse. Maybe people aren't stressed. Maybe it's stress that is the cause of um, a lack of sex, uh, lack of great sex. They never actually mentioned good sex or not. They just said sex. Well, there can be bad sex. Uh, but marijuana use, of course, is very common. Um, and this is the most scientific study we have to date. More than 20 million adult Americans, according to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, are current marijuana users. And so, of course, as I said, with the uh, legalization around the corner. Um, you know, this is something that we, you know, need to look at, especially uh, any anyone working with people who have um, sexual uh, health issues or sexual, um, uh, sexual, you know, des- desire discrepancy or low sexual desire. Um, so this, this, the answer could lie in uh, just a little bit of grass on a daily basis. Um, But the study doesn't say that if you smoke more marijuana, you will have sex. Um, But Eisenberg and his colleagues obtained data on 28,000 women averaging almost 30 years and 22,000 men whose average age was 29 and a half. And they assessed their individuals' reported patterns of marijuana use over the previous year and their self-reported frequency of heterosexual intercourse over the previous weeks. And it was the same for both of them. Both of them had had more sex. So it was like one, uh, it was, wasn't that much. It wasn't really statistically, well, it was statistically significant, but it doesn't really seem that much. Sex on average was about six times, but if you smoke a little of the marijuana, the Mary Jean, then you're going to have sex 7.1 times. Is that worth it? I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you this evening, this Daylight Savings evening where it's it's earlier than it's supposed to be. Maybe that's why I'm a little tired um, tonight. No, I'm not. Uh, I was going to say, oh, yeah, we're going to be talking about um, sex education of the future. Uh, oftentimes, you know, I've, I've kind of been known for my voice very few people ever recognize me in person. <laughs> they, but they do recognize my voice, and they'll say, you know, I know that voice, or are you Maureen McGrath? Just based on my voice, I can be turned around, and they'll, they'll know my voice. But, um, and it's a, it's a strange voice. I have a vocal fry, actually, or vocal fray. I'm not really sure how you pronounce that uh, as well, but uh, that's for another sex show. Uh, so it's, it's recognizable. And, um, and oftentimes people, if I've done something on YouTube or when I did the TEDx talk, people actually say she sounds like Siri or she sounds like a robot. I'm not offended. It's fine. I'm okay with that. (laughs) But then it's like, you see the human person up there. (laughs) Then they're like, she's like a robot. I think she is. But anyway, nonetheless, robots, uh, are the way the wave of the future, as you know, and chatbots can be very useful in a lot of different areas. And so one question is, can chatbots be sex educators, which is not necessarily a bad idea. Some of the patients that come to see me are 
they know 100% that they will, they're not going to get judged. Uh, don't judge anybody. And people will say, have you ever heard this before? And, and I've been doing this work for about 15 years, and chances are I've heard it before. And so they have shame. They have embarrassment around it, uh, depending on their upbringing or their religious connotations or their education or lack thereof. Um, they, they might be very embarrassed about it. I also do uh, digital visits, digital technology visit, visits. So um, I use a particular platform that is HIPAA compliant so that privacy is respected because some of the patients that I see, I actually can't write notes on them and um, because of their, uh, the field of work that they're in. So there can be no evidence of uh, the conversation that they are having with me. But I'm not so sure that's going to be that, uh, the case for chatbots. But, but chatbots have come a long way. And, and I think there is some room for them in the sexual education field. Uh, some of these chatbots, uh, you know, pass that legendary Turing test, the test where you cannot tell the difference between a, a digital voice and a human voice. Uh, using mine as the human voice might be problematic. But uh, so this is, um, you know, there's, we're advancing so much in technology that this can lead to incredible possibilities. And so the one thing about computers being able to verbally talk to human beings and understand them is the fact that the patient's will have the guarantee that they will not be judged. Not a not an eyebrow will be raised when they ask about their sexuality or, or a burning question that they've had uh, about sex or sexual health. Uh, so that's one comfort for them. Also, they might be able to lead, chatbots might be able to lead people to the appropriate care. Um, I mean, we're really advancing. Like, who would have thought even a few years ago that I would be, you know, half of the time that I spend with clinical patients is spent online. Uh, and I never would have predicted that myself. But the because I uh, have, because I think partly because of, well, it's because of the Internet. It's this show that's a free download on iTunes. It's the TEDx talk that I did. Um, and, you know, one thing leads to another, and people all over the world, from Singapore to France to the U.S., will contact me and want to talk about their sexual health issues or, or their sexuality issues or their relationship issues. And and so that's the, the way that I, that I do that. And it's actually quite convenient for me. I, I mean, I can do it as long as it's a, a private area. I can pretty much do it wherever I want um, or wherever I need to. Um, so that we can really benefit in the field of sexual health from chatbot teachers, this field of sex education, uh, because the, it allows a person to, um, speak and inquire about sexual topics with freedom and with privacy. As I said, talking to a chat box chatbot is a very different story. They're never going to spill the beans to your parents. They're not going to have an opinion on your drug use, potentially, if you're using drugs. They're never going to tell anybody that you had an extramarital affair, nor is a sex therapist, nor is a physician, nor is anybody, uh, professionals, I, I would like to say that. But, but you know what, we know that, but patients don't necessarily know that. I mean, even in my clinical practice, 
if somebody comes in and says, oh, my friend came to see you two years ago, I don't even answer them. I, it's not, I I say I don't discuss patients. I have not, you know, because they want to say they, they're harmless. They're being harmless and they're, and they're quite innocent in saying that. And perhaps the two friends have spoken, but I'm never going to confirm that either. So there's, um, you know, you, maintaining confidentiality is key. And that is the key to the coming education revolution is confidentiality. And the internet is a bastion of knowledge. Um, it, however, it is useless unless the person doing the, the investigation, the inquiry knows where to begin. And so it also arrives without a filter in regard to the real needs of the person looking for answers. That's the internet today. But a chat bot, a chat bot could be programmed through preset information or by learning about its user. And so it can act, you know, as a source of information, a source of raw data, but also as a true teacher. So some people would be so much more comfortable uh, speaking to a chatbot than speaking to a human being um, for their own sense of security. And so, for example, let's consider a young person who has thoughts or ideas about their sexual orientation. It could be an awkward or frightening question to ask teachers or friends or parents, even if they are just exploring their sexuality or being curious. This question can have massive ramifications, but if they have a a chatbot that they can turn to that has no agenda, that is there strictly to help you and answer the questions, it can be so beneficial. A sexual education chatbot wouldn't just have access to current information, but also would know how to present it effectively to the person asking the question because they could then learn about the person that is asking the question. And it could even ask follow-up questions as well and guiding that user to helpful resources in their community. Because, of course, we can denote on iPhones and everywhere where, where we're at, although I always put that, Whenever it says on Instagram, you know, say where you are, (laughs) I always change it to really far away from where I am. I don't know why (laughs) I do that, but that has nothing to do with the subject. But no, it does because of the location. So they can say, you know, in this particular town, these clinics are available for you. So that's something else. Um, if, if somebody asked a question about why do people hate me because of a particular sexual orientation or whatever... It could be programmed to read that the asker might be feeling threatened. And so then it could prompt the question, are you safe? Are you okay? Are you in danger? Would be the bot's response, the chat bot's response. And if the user doesn't feel safe, the chat bot then might point them to places and appropriate resources where they could ask for help. I mean, there are so many, uh, you know, there's just so many options for this and there's just so much... Um, that is exciting about something like this. Um, and it's not just sexual health that chatbots could be um, experienced teachers in, um, but many other, um, many other aspects as well. I've also heard that uh, there have been uh, times when, uh, of course, there are digital assistants uh, today, and, and there are chatbots in our lives in many ways. And, you know, it's so easy, as I've said so many times the brain is the largest sex organ and that is the one that um, you know that can account for this that organ 
you know, can lead many people to become sexually attracted to their digital teacher. And and also, you know, that that's how online works. You just see somebody's photograph or, you know, and or maybe you like their photo in their bio perhaps and then you you're gets your mind going and you start thinking and and you're attracted to that person online and you've never met them. You've never so much as spoken to them. Anyway, could you fall in love with your chat bot? I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Do stay with me this evening because uh, a little bit later on in the program, I'm going to be giving out the Womanizer, my favorite sex toy and should be yours. <laughs> no one has ever complained about it. Everybody loves it. In fact, I was uh, we had Hot Flash in the City this week in, in Port Moody at Port Moody's beautiful Inlet Theater. That was a lovely spot. And... Um, the the womanizer table was the busiest table <laughs> of all of them. People were calling me beforehand saying, "So I have this phone number online that people can call me, and uh, it's not it's my chat bot will answer." No, <laughs> anyway, people are always shocked when I answer. But anyway, um, I answer and and so they were like, "Is something else going to be? Are there any tickets left?" Oh, yes. Is there going to be anything else there? I'm like, like the womanizer? I was driving with a friend, and she said, how did you know she was going to ask for the womanizer? I'm like, what else is she going to ask for? Anyway, so I'm going to give one out on the program a little bit later, but I have to think of of something, a good little question to ask people. And um, Anyway, if you come up with anything, Amir. Yeah, I'll think about it. We'll do. The brain is moving a little slowly tonight. Um, But anyway, first of all... uh, you know, today was a cold and gorgeous day, and you might have gotten out for a long run or a bike ride, or uh, you could have gone skiing. There's snow at Whistler. It was snowing at Whistler today. Uh, you could have gone hiking, and then you maybe wanted to come home and have some shower sex with your partner. So, you know, here's the thing. Everyone, like the movies make shower sex look amazing, right? Yep. <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> Um, however, we all know the truth that shower sex can be a bit awkward if you don't have the perfect shower, which means, you know, built in seats and everything and all of the, you know, dual shower heads is important. If you're renovating your bathroom out there, (laughs) I can help you. First of all, go square. You want a a square bathroom. I'm taking notes right now. (laughs) Everyone has long bathrooms. No, no, no. You need a square bathroom. Uh, I actually stayed in a hotel in Italy one time that had a square bathroom, and I thought, I am building a square bathroom. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I did, and it's the best bathroom ever. But anyway, I digress. So you need a couple of shower heads. You need some seats. You need the extra, the extra massager. You need the body sprays. You need to uh, work overtime <laughs> <laughs> to afford all this. Um, so, and, let, and so how many people have that type of a shower? Like, yeah, I'd be scared in my shower to do anything like that. Maybe four, yeah. <laughs> Most people have, like, just the head in there, right? And then they bring the other head in. No, they have just the shower head, and that's it. Maybe it's inside of a tub. Maybe it's a tiny little shower, right? So <laughs> um, it can be awkward. And there's a tremendous potential for falling, slipping, and especially when you grab onto a wet body for support. And who gets to go under the head? The one shower head, right? So you're freezing as well. So one of you feels, feels super cold, and the other one might feel like they're drowning. And then the height difference. That's another issue. 
unless you're exactly the same height. (laughs) (laughs) And that doesn't even work either sometimes. That can be awkward. You can also get shampoo in places that you would rather not. You can. You also risk. I'm sorry, Amir. Am I embarrassing you? No, no. Just because I'm all. just about to mention, you could risk a penis injury. Oh my goodness! Um, but people don't realize that, and that can happen uh, because it's uh, it's awkward. Penetrative sex is awkward in the shower, and so the penis can bend. But these aren't the only things that you have to worry about. So a lot of people think that they can't get pregnant from shower sex. Wrong. They think that the water washes everything away. Wrong again. There's nothing about shower sex that protects against pregnancy. Okay? You heard it here first on the Sunday Night Sex Show. Not only that, but when you type shower sex into Google, get a load of this, shower sex and pregnancy is the second most popular autocomplete search phrase. Can you believe that? After shower sex lyrics. Now, that doesn't surprise me because, uh, of course, who doesn't sing in the shower? I actually sing on the radio too, Amir, but I haven't yet. I haven't. (laughs) I want to hear that. Don't worry. Well, it just happens. I don't actually plan it. So, you know, it'll happen at some point. Um... But anyway, so remember, using soap and water does not rinse out the ejaculate that you have. Also, water isn't lube, and anything else you use in its place can make things a lot worse. So people are ill-prepared. They get in the shower. They're all hot and bothered. Get in the shower, and they just grab shampoo or conditioner and use that as lube, and it's not good because some people... um you know, that can cause a lot of irritation to the vulva and the vagina for women. It can cause dryness of the penile skin. And also the vagina, especially in the middle years of life, like 37 to the rest of life, basically. Um, the All the old folks in the old folks' homes are in the shower sex right now. Oh. As we, <laughs> It's a great idea. We can't get pregnant. No. <laughs> or we can get pregnant. Anyway, they can't get pregnant. Um Anyway, so also women who have vaginal atrophy, vaginal dryness. And I do have another prize, too. I did say I was giving out the womanizer, but I'm also going to give out some Femme tonight, P-H-E-M-M-E. It's a personal moisturizer, and it can be used as a lubricant as well. And so I I think I have about a box of that for you. Anyway, for somebody who has vaginal dryness, um, don't worry. We're not going to announce your name all over the airwaves, but just do call call in, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Um, so that, um, the shampoo and conditioner, that can change the pH in your vaginal skin and you might get an infection. So don't use shampoo or conditioner as lube. I mentioned falling and penis injury. And you can also still get uh, a, a sexually transmitted infection in the shower. It doesn't wash away uh, gonorrhea or chlamydia or herpes or condyloma, HIV. It doesn't, does not wash away any of those. Uh, And in fact, you may be at greater risk for uh, STIs with because of the possible irritation of the vulva and the penis that occurs during shower sex. So your skin can get more raw and that and irritated and that actually increases the risk of transmission of some of these sexually transmitted infections. And also condoms are potentially less dangerous I mean, sorry, condoms are potentially less effective in the shower. So that's another danger. Uh, Obviously, wearing one is better than having zero protection, but you shouldn't rely on this as your only form of contraception in the shower. And without one, you have no prevention against the spread of disease. It's safe to use a 
uh, condom in water as long as the condom remains on the penis. So you want to put the condom on before you go into the shower. That's always a good idea. Uh, and so if you're, you've got to know your water content too, which I wouldn't have a clue about this, but um, if your water has chlorine in it or some other chemical uh, or additives, uh, or if the water has, you know, if you have bubble bath, it may actually harm your latex condom. So you have to be really careful. So I highly recommend shower sex. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> However, know the risks. <laughs> However, you have to have a bathroom fashioned after an Italian one in in Florence. You know, it was uh, it was a hotel. I was I went out on a conference and I was kind of last on the the conference. Um, you know, the funding came through kind of at the last minute, and so I was kind of bummed out because everyone was staying at the monastery, and then I had to stay at this other hotel. And as it turned out, the hotel was magnificent, <laughs> and I was like a fifteen minute walk away from the the uh, university and and all the other friends that were staying at the monastery, which was furnished with Ikea. Anyway, so I lucked out, found a fabulous bathroom, fashioned mine after that one, and all is good. So if you are looking for something to do with your extra hour today, I say have a shower. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.